This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode 16. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, ass kickers. Welcome to a special edition of the Your Kick-Ass Life podcast. I am here with Becca Tracy of The Uncaged Life, and I'm very excited because this specific podcast is for life coaches. And my previous um, podcasts have been more about life stuff, and I love talking about that. But I also coach brand new coaches, and I always have a lot to say about that. So I have uh, my very first guest specifically on this topic is Becca. And Becca, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Okay. Um, so I'm Becca and uh, I run The Uncaged Life. And um, I'm a coach. So I also I did the same coaching that Andrea did through CTI. And uh, I work with people who are starting businesses that they want to be able to run from anywhere. So people who want online businesses that let them travel and work from anywhere, you know, the dream. Yes, um, location yeah. independent. <laughs> yes, location independent. Um, and I tend to work with those people on getting really clear about what their message is and what their business actually is. Uh, and that kind of started when when I started coaching people who wanted this lifestyle and realizing that they were starting businesses that were really vague and unclear and there wasn't really any, anything deeper behind them. So they were like, I'm going to be a life coach, but you didn't really even know like what that was. And so I worked with people to help them get super clear on their business and make sure that they're really doing things their way instead of trying to fit into this box of like what they come out of school with. Yeah. Well, and, and well, that's a great segue for exactly what I wanted to start talking about because I feel like, and, and I'm sure that you had this experience too. And I, I still love the Coaches Training Institute. I recommend them to everyone. I think they're a great coaching school. Mm-hmm. And, but what happened with me was that I, and we had this conversation earlier and I, I literally like you guys sat my butt in that seat because our, our training was in person and we had these amazing weekends, um, where all of us got together and there was about 20 other people. And I sat there in that conference room and got out my calculator and calculated that I was going to have 20 clients. I was going to charge this amount of money. And when I did the math, I was like, yeah, we're going to be rich. (laughs) So the reality was that I, I graduated and I didn't have 20 clients and the clients that I did have, I was charging just to get them to say, yes, I was charging way less than what I had anticipated I would be charging. So that was your experience similar as well. Um, I actually, so I didn't actually start coaching right away. I was actually a nutritionist at the time and I wanted to, to use coaching with my nutrition skills. Um, and then like two years later when I finally decided to drop the nutrition and just be a coach, I was like, okay, this is no problem. Like 300 bucks a month times like 10 or 12 clients, like that should do me for a little while. Like that sounds good. Yeah. So, you know, I got my first three clients and I was like, great. Okay. Nine more. And I'm totally set. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not realizing that that's a lot of clients to it have. Is. Yeah. Um, and it's not impossible. Like I, I know, well, I don't know, maybe like one or two people that have done it. I mean, not that many. I know a lot of coaches. I talked to a lot of coaches and I yeah. asked them, I'm like, tell me the truth. How was it? But I, I think that, um, what you said, my point is, is that 
what you said about what you help people do is that's the first step is so important because, and I think especially for coaches is that we, we feel this calling, you know, and, and we're like, Oh my gosh, this is what I was meant to do. How amazing is this? I'm going to serve the world and make the world a better place. If we put our capes on and then we throw up our website and, and, and nothing happens and we hear crickets. So I think that that is, that's the first point that I want to make is that you really need to, and, and what I say on my, on my copy on my website is that you have to be intentional about your business. You absolutely have to, it's key. Well, you have to know what your business is. And you know, some of the coaches listening might not like this, but I take the stand that coaching is not a business. Coaching is a skill that you can use in your business, but coaching itself, like that general bag, like life coaching is not a business. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and I, you know, coaching is very valuable and life coaching is very valuable, but it has to be within the frame of something more tangible, like right. something that, something that people can actually understand and your coaching skills are going to be blended with all the rest of your expertise and your experience to create your business. But it's not just coaching that's going to make your business. And I think that's probably the biggest exactly. mistake that people make is we come out going, I'm just going to be a coach and like, but I'm brand new. And we forget about all of the other things that we've done in our life that still matter mm-hmm. and that we still care about and that we absolutely should still bring into our business. Yeah. Yep. And that was, that was what I had to learn too, because I thought, well, I think too, as coaches, we believe so much in coaching. We don't understand why everyone else does it. <laughs> what do you mean? You don't want to hire me. Like I change lives. So for, for a lay person who, who's not a coach, they want, and think about like when you buy anything, when you buy any type of service, you want to know what your end result is. That's really what you're buying. You know, you go to a mechanic and it's like, I want you to fix my engine. Uh, you go to get a massage. Like I want you to loosen my muscles and make me more relaxed. So it's, that's what I always tell people from the beginning. Like what is, what is it exactly that people are going to get as a result of working with you? That needs to be in your copy. That needs to be a part of your, of, of what your business is. Is that what, what you were saying? Yeah. Like it has to be more than just like, okay, I'm going to forget everything I've ever done. And now I'm just going to be a life coach. Uh Like that's not how our lives work. We don't operate in isolation of the rest of our life, but we seem to go into business thinking that that's how it should work. Yeah, And it's just, it doesn't work. And the the coaches, you know, I remember hearing right at the beginning, um, you know, coaching's really hard to make a business in and like all, you know, coaches are broke and there's not enough clients. And I was like, what? And then I realized it was because the people, the way that people were going into business that was fucked up, not, uh-huh. can I swear? I can yes, swear. of course. My <laughs> business has the word ass in it. Yes, you can swear. Okay, I was, I was like, um, yeah. So it was the way that people were thinking about their business that was messed up. It wasn't coaching as a business itself. It was just the way that people were thinking of coaching as a business that wasn't really working. And you know, the coaches that are killing it that we see coming out of coaching school are the ones who are coaching other coaches. Exactly. Thank you for saying And that. so if you're not coaching other coaches, you're kind of like, well, where, like, who are my people? Cause your mm-hmm. people probably don't get coaching the way that coaches do. So you have to market yourself really differently than, you know, the coaching leaders do. Cause they have, right. you know, they're teaching in front of the room. They have clients coming to them all the time and yeah. coming out of coaching school, you're not going to have that. Yep. I realized that pretty early on because I was, I was, I came out of coaching school and I was hungry for, for starting this business and figuring out 
how to be successful at it. And that was one of the very first things that I noticed. And I was like, I get it. Okay. So the people, like you said, that are killing it are coaching other coaches. And what I also noticed was that like we were saying before, like the people that are, are doing really well are the people who are specific about their end result. So weight loss coaches, money coaches, like those people that it's someone has a specific problem and that coach has their specific solution. And it's, I'm not at all saying that you have to be either a weight loss coach or a money coach or coach other coaches in order to be successful. But I, I think both of our points here is, is that you have to figure out what you know, look at sort of the big picture. And that's what I ask people to do. Like, what is it that people are going to get? And this is honestly something that I still, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, you know, the end of 2013, I'm, I'm, I've been in business now for three years and I'm looking at my own copy and I'm like, Oh, I need to sharpen this up because it's not (laughs) making any sense. Like if I were, if I were my ideal client, I would be like, Oh, you're cool, but I'm not sure if I want to work with you. So that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. That I'm working on. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah. So first of all, you do, you have to know what problem you're solving for people, but you also in a way have to sell people what they want and then give them what they need. Mm-hmm. So like you have to, you have to make things more tangible than you probably are comfortable with because coaching is very open-ended and we don't guide the results and it's very, you know, it's us and our client working together 50, 50 or a hundred, a hundred or whatever we learn in coaching school. But in business, like you have to be a leader and you have to, you have to take charge of your work with the client and you have to, you know, show them like, yes, I can get you the results that you want. Cause you know, there are a few, there are people out there absolutely who pay for like personal development type coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, but for most of us, those aren't going to be our ideal clients. And the sooner that we can like own who the, who the clients are that we really want to work with and what problems they're solving, we're, we're solving for them and turn that into some language that they're actually going to understand. It's going to be so much easier to get clients. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I really love that you said that, um, sell them what they want and teach them what they need. That someone said that to me early on in business, and that was such a huge eye opener. Thanks for reminding me about that because I've forgotten about it. But um, but that's exactly. I'll give you I'll give you an example of of um my my best friend and colleague. To um, last year, we did a joint venture together, and it was our first five figure launch. And we and it was we were a little nervous going in because we were teaching. And the premise of it was self-love. So I had a belief, I was committed to to this belief that self-love was too hard to sell. And, um, we did it anyway. And we sold out the class two years in a row. And the, how we did it was really, it was the copy was so important. If you don't know what copy is, copy is basically like what it says on your web page, your blog posts, what it says on your sales page. So that page that you're getting people to sign up is incredibly important. And one of the most important things um, is really telling people what the benefits are. Like what, like what I was saying, like, what are they, what are they going to get? Like what, what is self-love? Like what, I don't want that. I'd rather buy a Louis Vuitton handbag or boob job. Like that's <laughs> really like the culture that we live in. Like, let's get real. <laughs> But, but really like that was the most important part of it was, was doing that. And, um, I, I, I really attribute that to, to the, the amazing launch that we had two years in a row. Yeah. Well, you know, it sounds great to us as coaches to sell, um, living your authentic life and right. like living a life of purpose and passion. But for most people, they're like, yeah, that sounds great. But like, I got to feed my kids right? <laughs> and I got to lose weight. You know, like there's, 
there's more tangible problems they're having. And I think that all of, you know, living a life of passion and purpose is important, but you have to really show people what that means. And so in my business, the way that, you know, my whole message and my belief is that, you know, living a life of passion and purpose is like a life of freedom is about having your own business. And Mm -hmm. so I teach people how to have their own business. And that's sort of my tangible way of really giving them this bigger picture thing, but it's really grounded in something actionable and tangible. And, you know, from my business that works because I don't want to be coaching the people who just want the really deep, you know, process type coaching, working through the emotions for months Mm -hmm. on end. Like I don't like that kind of coaching. I don't want to do that kind of coaching. And the sooner that I could really own that and be really real, like about the type of coaching that I was good at and who I wanted to work with, business became so much easier because before that I was trying to coach everybody. I was trying to do coaching the way that I learned in coaching school. And I'm way more bossy than that. Like (laughs) I'm not, I'm like super bossy and I like to be the leader and I'd like to give a little bit of an ass kicking. Um, and I like to coach, but it was really hard at first to meld those two because I felt like I wasn't allowed to be me. Mm -hmm. I felt like I had to be a coach. And so I think that that's, um, you know, and that's the whole purpose of my business is helping other people. And I work with a lot of coaches and a lot of nutritionists and health coaches who feel like they're put in this box of like what it's supposed to look like. And they're terrified to do anything different because they might not meet, you know, the ICF standards Standards. or something like that. I'm like, I'm not even, I'm not even registered with the ICF. So that stuff to me is not as important as doing what you actually want to be doing and doing it your way. Yeah. I love that you said all that because I had the exact same experience. I went through such growing pains and, and really was, I mean, I had shed tears over it because I felt like my coaching school was, would just be ashamed of the way I was coaching. And, and you and I <laughs> yeah, are just you're, you're bossy pants too. Right? Total bossy pants. Like <laughs> I, and I think that's why we're such good friends so quickly, but I, the same thing. And, and when I was in, and if you went through CTI training and you're listening to this, you know, like we go through these supervisions and I've already told Rebecca this, but they, in every supervision, they were like, you're really good at one of our um, cornerstones was taking charge. They're like, but you need to loosen up on the reins a little bit. And it's like, (laughs) it was so hard for me. Like when I was coaching exactly in the box, I felt very confined and I felt uncomfortable. So, but I felt like that was how I had to do it. And there was no other way. And so finally, like when I gave myself permission, like, oh, this is how, you know, for the sake of sounding esoteric, this is how like my God given strengths, like God put me on this earth and said, this is you. And this is how you are going to help people. And everything changed. You know, my business changed. The clients that came to me were, were perfect for me. And I, I actually also said no to some people who really truly needed a different kind of coach. Like you were saying, that kind of coach that, that does go with them, you know, month after month through all the emotions. I know some amazing coaches that do that, but that's not me. And that's not Becca. So you listening to this, like whoever, whatever kind of coach you are in your bones, that is what you need to be doing. And I see so many people who are like, they find me and I'm sure you get this too, Becca. Like they're like, I'm so, it's so awesome to see another coach that's, you know, being so authentic and using swear words. And it's, we don't see very much of it. And, um, yeah, I was like, I'm not, I mean, I left corporate life because I didn't want to be bossed around by somebody else. (laughs) So I'm not going to do it now. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So much. And a lot of, you know, I get a lot of clients that come to me because of that and their coaches come into coaching school and they're like, you know, I love coaching, but it doesn't quite 
feel right, but I don't feel like I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> I'm like, Oh my God. Okay. Let's jump in. Yeah, um, sure. yeah. And it's, you know, I used to dread some of my client calls, like as happy as I was to have paying clients, I just could not wait until their call was over for the week. And I'd have a whole week without having to coach them because I was trying to fit into, again, this box of a coach with them. And, you know, I would, I would dread it. And they didn't, you know, in retrospect, I shouldn't have taken them on as clients, but you know, starting your business, I was like, I'll take anybody, give me all the money. Um, and so I did. And you know, now it's so easy for me to turn away clients and to refer them on to other coaches that are a better fit because I know exactly who I work with. But at the start, you know, I didn't know that. And so it took, it takes time, I think, to narrow down your niche and you really learn through doing. So you can't just sit there at home and think about it and go, well, I, you know, I'm going to plan my niche. Like you're Mm -hmm. not going to know until you start doing it. Um, and it's going to start to feel right as you start to move along. I tell my clients the exact same thing. So, and and that's what I did it the wrong way. I decided on a niche and then started coaching those people. And I was like, Oh my God, this sucks. And then changed it thinking that I wanted to do something else started coaching them again. Oh my God, this sucks. So I did it twice. And then finally was, you know, through my own, just coaching all of those people found the right people. So I I tell people the same thing, coach anyone in the beginning, coach everyone and anyone, because then you will find out who, who you are great at coaching and who you love to coach and who is, is magnetically just drawn to you. And, and actually David Darst, who's a, um, a CTI leader said to us in class, he said, don't go out and look for your niche. Your niche will find you. Yeah, I think that it, that is true. Um, and actually no, but uh, if you, if you know, right away, you're like, I do not want to coach that type of person, then don't take them on. Like right. if you're doing an initial session with them or a consult and you're like, like already something inside of you is cringing and like, and it's not just because you're nervous because it's your first client. Like really there's something where you're like, eh. like for me, it was like the corporate clients that would come to me, um, who were, I don't know, something about, there was just something in their personality and I can't even pinpoint what it was, but I would know it when I would feel it. Mm-hmm. And I should have said no. And I said yes to them. And that was, that was a really big mistake. So I think that if you know right away that someone that you're like, Oh, like you're dreading a client, yes. you're, you're on a concept with them and you're hoping that they'll say no. Yes. <laughs> that was me so many times. I'm like, I hope they don't want to hire me. I hope don't I never hear from them. Me. Yeah. Yeah. And then they would call me and I'd be like, Oh shit. You know, if that's happening, don't take them as clients. And the sooner that you can learn to say no to those clients, the quicker you're going to find your niche without like forcing yourself to find it. Like say no to the ones right away that you're yeah. sure of and coach everybody else and see what, see what feels right. That's a really hard conversation actually. And I've, yeah. I've been in a place where I felt, or, you know, those clients that are really fragile that, um, that clearly need therapy instead of coaching. Like they're just really not in a place, um, especially from a coach like me. So I, I've had to have some tough, com- and it's really awful when they're over email too, because you know, things get misconstrued and I've had some tough um, conversations and I really, oh, they're just, it's just part of the business. I really do think so. Yeah. You can't be responsible for everyone. I think as coaches, we care so much, (laughs) but you're dealing with grownups. They'll be okay. Yeah. (laughs) So I have a question. So what do you think was, and maybe we already covered it, but what was your biggest surprise when you started the business? Is there anything else that we haven't covered? Um, I think my, well, there's, I mean, there's been a lot of surprises because 
first of all, I didn't know what I was doing when I started a business. So, you know, I had no business background. I learned everything that I had to learn, like, you know, from the ground up, from reading books and reading blogs. Um, but I think the thing that surprises me most in my business now is how much I've fallen in love with my business. And, and I never thought I would say that because when I started coaching, I knew that I wanted the freedom to work from anywhere. I knew that I wanted to work on my own terms. I knew that I wanted to be my own boss. It was all very selfish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and I knew that I wanted to help other people do the same thing. But I, like me, like I always came first. You know, it was more about me and my lifestyle than it was about like, I want to save the world. Uh, and, and I get a lot of clients that are like that now too. And I'm like, you know, the first question I ask them is, why do you want this business? And a lot of them are like, I just want freedom and I want to be able to travel and I want to be able to work in my pajamas. And I'm like, okay, but like you have to have a bigger reason. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I didn't know that I would love the work that I do so much and that I would really, really fall in love with the way that I'm doing my work. And I think that was because at the beginning I was trying to coach like a coach and it didn't feel right. So I was like, well, you know, this is okay. And this is better than another job. And even if it's not totally perfect, at least it lets me, you know, have the freedom and work on my own terms. And until I really let go of doing it all of the other people's ways, and I really sort of put on the blinders and figured out my way to do it, I totally started loving the work. And that was something I didn't expect. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I, you know, I'd give you a, a, a here, here on that one too. <laughs> I think for me, you know, and, and hearing you say all that, what, what came up for me is that, um, the biggest misconception was that I didn't realize how much of an entrepreneurial gig this was going to be. I really didn't. <laughs> I knew it was, but I didn't know what that meant. I was like, yeah, I'll just have to like, I'll have my own business. But I didn't have any idea what that actually meant. Like on a day to day basis, Mm -hmm. no clue. I didn't either. And I, I, cause I was not that kid that had like the lemonades down. Like I see that so much, you know, I, I see these people talk about how they were as kids and they've always been like an entrepreneur at heart and like, not me. Like I was not that kid <laughs> at all. So when I re- like, you know, in CTI, they call it like unconscious incompetence. You remember that? Yeah. <laughs> that was me. Yeah. Like I did not know what I didn't know. And I missed that. <laughs> but when I finally started to see, I was like, Oh shit. Like I have to work. Like I really need to figure this out. And I think that I didn't realize I didn't realize how much I was going to have to invest in the business part of it. That's, that was a big, like, I thought I could totally figure it out on my own. And, and then I finally, and it was pretty, pretty soon, like out of, out of school, I just, I was like, okay, I'm done. I need help. And so that's when I, um, I took a class, I hired a business coach and that's really when, when everything changed because I honestly don't know how people do it, like figuring it out on their own. I don't. Well, I think that they I think that a lot of people don't. And I mean, I say I figured most of the stuff out on my own. I hired, I've spent so much money on my business right from the beginning because I I really, I was dead serious about it. This wasn't like, well, like like maybe this will be a hobby or maybe I'll try it out. You know, I have this other corporate job and this is going to like, you know, this is just an interest or I'll try it on the side or I'll be part time. This was like, I don't know what else to do. And this is it. Like this has to work. And I really think that it's that determination that, that had me invest so early on in everything in my business because I knew that there was no other choice. Like it was this or 
nothing. Mm -hmm. So it, you know, it was a no brainer for me to invest, but I think that a lot of the coaches that struggle and they say, you know, coaching is a hard business is because they don't learn how to market. They don't learn the business side of coaching and afraid to market. if you're, or they're afraid because they don't know, even know what marketing means. Mm -hmm. Like marketing is a dirty word. And so that's why I actually created coaching business jumpstart, which is a program that I run with another coach, Ellen, who's actually at my house right now. It's the first time I've ever met her in person. Oh. <laughs> Very cool. Um, so we started this because like we see so many coaches coming out and they're amazing and they want to change the world, but they have no effing idea what that even means in terms of marketing. And so we're like, we need to teach people this right from the get go and coaching programs. Like I know CTI, I think the, um, Oh God, I don't remember the other names of the coaching skills, but I know they all have their own marketing programs, mm -hmm. um, which are, which are great. But I would say like, get out of the coaching schools for your marketing and yeah. like go learn marketing from somewhere else. Cause I think that there's, there's a lot to be learned. And the more that you can get your eyeballs on the way that different businesses are doing it, you get a really better picture of what marketing actually means and what it looks like. Mm -hmm. And the businesses that succeed, I think like the coaches that succeed are the ones that, that learn that stuff that realize that even before being a coach, they're an entrepreneur, they're a business owner, which is more important than their coaching skills. I would say at the beginning. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree with all of that. I think that <clears throat> I'm going to say something about marketing too. We were talking about this a little bit before I started the recording and I, what I would be aware of, be careful. <laughs> of, I call them the marketing mafia. I know that's not very nice, but <clears throat> it's the people that, that are out there that give these enormous promises. And I was, I was just telling Becca that I saw one recently. I won't say who it was, but I saw one recently who was promising, um, seven figures, not six figures, seven figures. <laughs> And getting high paying clients, um, he had a name for those type of clients too, right off the bat. And, and I'm just like, it makes me sick to my stomach when I see those because I just, and there was actually some com. it was a sponsored post on Facebook and there was some comments where people are like, really like, and kind of calling him <laughs> out on it. But, um, I just, I think there are some great marketing experts out there. So just so just be careful of drinking the Kool-Aid is, is all I'm saying. I, if I were you, if, I, if you're listening to this, <clears throat> my best advice here is to get a referral from someone that you know, like, like a friend of yours that's been through that person's program or worked one-on-one -on -one with them who has said, yes, like this person totally helped me. Um, and here are my tangible results. So, um, yeah, I know when I, when I invested, my first big investment was working with Gina Gabellini and I followed her. She was like one of the very first coaches I ever followed. So I followed her for years. Like I was signed up for her newsletter before I even decided to even thought about investing with her. And for me, I work better one-on-one. -on -one. If I'm in a class, I'll tend to like, no, I'm not a great self-starter these days, but, um, I wanted one-on-one -on -one attention and it was, she was not cheap. And I was really into wanting to learn more about the law of attraction and that was her niche. And so it was perfect. And I'll tell you what, that woman helped me quadruple my income. Like I'll always like sing my praises for Gina Gabellini, but she's very specific about how she helps people run their businesses and it's not for everyone. So that being said, I just, I, I, I really encourage people to take their time to find out who they're going to work for. And I work with, I agree with you. I broke even my first year. I spent so much money on investing. And that's what I attribute it to. I, and I was like you, I was like, no, this isn't a hobby. I was damn determined to make <laughs> it work. And it was that sheer determination. Cause I get emails and people are like, how the hell are you running this business? And I, you guys, I have two small children, which is no easy task. 
and I, I really, I work three days a week right now. I work 18 hours a week. Uh, and this has been several, several months. I've only worked this much and I'm still making it. And, 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 and honestly, what it is, is working my ass off, <laughs> getting help. My, my profit margin isn't as much as my colleagues. Cause I have, I have a bigger overhead and, um, and really just that sheer determination, like failure. And I hate to say this cause it sounds so big or go, home, go big or go home, which I, <laughs> I'm not a fan of, but it just wasn't an option. Like it just wasn't, I was going to fight to the death to make this business work. Yeah, and I did. I think it really depends too, though, on, on like where you're at. So Andrew, you know this, that the first, for most of the first year of my business, I lived in a van and I was on a rock climbing trip and I was traveling around the U S living in a van with my boyfriend on this like amazing road trip. And I had just started my business. And so, and during that time I did, you know, I was working with business coaches. I was doing online business programs. I was, you know, I'd made my own website. I was doing it, but I really had to lower my expectations. Um, and I was looking at my colleagues around me who had started around the same time as me and who were kicking ass. And I really had to recognize where I was at and the time investment that I had to put in. And Andrew, I'm, I'm assuming this is similar for you. You know, you have kids. Mm-hmm. There's other business owners out there who don't have kids. So your situations are different. Expectations are different. So for me, when I was living in this van and working on my business one day a week, I knew things were going to be slower and I had to be okay with that. If I'd pressured myself to be keeping up with what everybody else was doing, I would have like given up and not done my business. So I really had to be real about where I was at and the time commitment that I could give to it and that I wanted to give to it and know that when the time came to hustle, which was as soon as my trip ended, then I would hustle. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important to, you know, set, set the expectations for where you're at and what you want to be doing. And I set my expectations right at the beginning. My business coach was like, okay, cool. So you're going to be living in this van. How much money do you want to be making from your business? And that was, I'd never considered that. I was like, well, I don't know all the money. And she's like, well, no, like you're not just going to make all the money. So like, how much do you want to make? And I was like, okay, well, if I could make $250 a month from my business, that would be amazing. And of course, at the time I thought I was just going to have online products and like this would all be passive income, mm-hmm. which is hilarious. Um, but I thought if I can make $250 for my business every month on this trip, that will be great because that will cover my food and my gas. And that's literally all that I need to pay for. And I have savings for the rest. And like, that's cool. And you know, of course I made more than that, but you have to come up with a number. And I, I, I work with a lot of my clients on this and they'll be like, well, how much do I charge? And I'm like, well, how much money do you want to make? And they're like, well, why does that matter? I'm like, cause then you'll know how much you have to charge. Like, let's do some math. It's pretty simple. Mm-hmm. But until you start really getting real about like, what is a realistic amount for you for this, you know, for this time in your life with everything else going on, it's really easy to get sucked up into this. I call it biz porn of like what everyone else is doing yeah. and like make seven figures and all this bullshit that, you know, doesn't apply to where you're at in your life or your business. I am so glad you said all of that. Like (laughs) we are so on the same page and I, I did the same thing and I, I went down like in the very beginning, I went down this road and in the very beginning, my kids were even littler, which was harder. And I just was like, Oh my God, I'm never going to, I'm never going to make it. And I had one of my, my friends, colleagues, um, Jennifer powder, who has, who had two kids the exact same age as mine. She was like, you can't do this to yourself. You cannot play the comparison game because you will just kill yourself. And so she was like, we, as mothers of young children, it's like dog years. It's like taking us seven times as long to do what people who have the freedom to work whenever they want. So that was really helpful. So yes, I totally agree with you. Like 
be careful. And I, I often give the homework assignments to my clients is like, you need to unsubscribe from all these people because there's oh, yeah. a lot, there's a fine line between doing research and I'm using air quotes and going down that rabbit hole of, of compare and despair. And it's yes. tough, like, especially when you're, you're trying to figure out what you're building your website and you're trying to figure out like your about me page and your copy and fonts and, and you kind of have to look at other websites to see what you, what you like. And then, and then you just like three hours later, you're like crying in a bottle of wine and you're like, I'll never make, I'll never be as successful as coach Susie. Yeah. Did you, I don't know if you saw this Andrew, but um, do you know Cher Ross? I don't think Sarah so. Ross. Um, so she, uh, I don't know if you remember the rock band Vixen from the eighties. It's like this well, women. Like, yeah. <laughs> she, so she's in Vixen and she's like, she's a colleague of mine. I mean, she's, you know, she's another coach. Um, and we actually did a, a spree cast together called biz porn anonymous. Cause we, we got ch- chatting one day, you know, over Skype and realizing that like biz porn is a real thing. And like, we are all addicted and like there's recovery steps. So we actually oh, did a whole hilarious. presentation on how to get over biz porn. So if, uh, yeah, we can. Yeah, find I unsubscribe. Like, I do like yeah. massive unsubscribe and then like resubscribe if it's somebody that I love, and you know. So, yep, just stop. Yeah. That. There was there was something else that you said that. Oh, let's talk a little bit about products because you <laughs> talking about that. So okay, so here was my misconception about products was that um, I would create one and work my booty off for it, and then I could just have it up in the shop on my website and people would buy it all the time. And then I could make passive income doing that. And I remember, um, someone that I followed who was like a market, she wasn't in the marketing mafia, but she was someone big in marketing. I won't say who it was. She had like a free video and she was like breaking down how to make six figures in a year. And one of the things in there was you create a $97 product. And I forget how many, how many she said that you would need to sell that fit into this figure of a hundred thousand dollars in a year. And I was like, the way she just writes the numbers up there, it just sounds so easy. So that was not <laughs> the everyone's going to have the same business, <laughs> right? That was exactly, that was not the case for me. So I, I created, it was my, my very first product was an ebook <clears throat> and I put my heart and soul into this and I spent a lot of money too, making it beautiful and hiring graphic designers and, and to make it gorgeous. And cause that's not my thing. And I was so devastated in the first 24 hours, I sold two copies. And then after that, I think I ended up selling, and this was a big launch. It was my very first launch. And I, I cannot, I wish that I remembered exactly how many I ended up sold, selling at the end of the push, but I want to say it was like 15 or less. So was it worth the money that I put into it? Probably not. The upside is that now I always had this ebook to give as a bonus for someone that signed up for a coaching package, or if I was like on a telesummit and I wanted, you know, like things like that, that's where they're great. But as far as creating products to to have passive income, unless you're someone like Brendan Bouchard or Tony Robbins or Oprah, I would say, don't put, don't bank on it. Don't put all of your eggs in that basket. That's my best advice. What's yours? Yeah. Well, and the other thing is like, until you've actually worked through whatever it is that you're writing in this ebook with a shit ton of clients and you know that it's super valuable and you know that it's useful, then it's probably not. So, you know, we have all these great ideas of what's really going to work and I'll just put it into a book. But until you've done it in person over and over and over again and seen results, then you actually don't know that it's good. So, and that was probably my biggest misconception. So I, my first product was, um, uh, like an ebook again called stop whining and start living. And it was basically just like 
uh, like how to get your ass into action type of ebook. And I walked through this process with people and I thought it was just great. Mm -hmm. And I did what they all said to do. They being like the marketing gurus and Mm -hmm. they were like, have a presale and sell it first and then use that money for like the design and everything. And I was like, okay, that sounds great. So I'll like have the concept ready and start writing it, but not actually have created yet until people sign up. And they're like, that's a really great way to gauge interest too. So I put together the sales page for it and did like a, a free, you know, a free ebook as like a promo for this paid one and did my pre-sale and I had one sale and I think it was like half price during the pre-sale or something. And I had and it one was your sale. mom, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, my mom's dead. Kidding. That's not a nice joke. <laughs> Oh, shit. I'm just kidding. I mean, she is dead, but I'm, I'm kidding. Um, so no, it was actually, it was a, it was someone that I know like from my, you know, my coaching community, my website. So it was like a real client, okay. um, but it was one client and I was like, okay, so what do I do now? Like I've, I've planned to create this thing. I still think it's really great. One person thinks it's great. The other people don't. And so I really struggled with like, do I still create it or do I not create it? Like, is it worth the investment or not? And you know, I was working with a business coach at the time and she's like, if you think it's great, like you need to create it, put it out into the world. And I was like, yeah, but the numbers are telling me it's not that right. great. Uh-huh. So I didn't actually end up doing it. Um, and I actually emailed that woman and was like, listen, here's the deal. Like, I'm not going to go through with it. I'm happy to refund you. And she, she's like, just keep the money. Like, I love your blog posts. It's, you know, payment for your blogs. And I was like, okay, cool. Nice. Um, so it didn't work out so well. And I totally scrapped it. I probably still have a copy of it somewhere on my computer. So then, year, you know, two years go by because that was during the, fir- I was living in the van at the time. That was during the first year of my business. I'm in year two now, just finishing up the second year. And recently I created another product called BizShiz which is basically like a how-to guide, like one page quick lesson on tons of business stuff, like how to grow your list, how to get clients, like really tangible, actionable stuff. Um, and I created it because of the need that I was seeing from my audience. And by this point, I'd had a private Facebook group with like 500 people in it who were super active. I had my Facebook page, I had my email list. So I have all this stuff set up, two years of building this. And I created this product and I was like, you know what? I don't want to deal with this whole like launch a product thing again after last time. So I'm just going to create this myself and put it up on eJunkie as pay what you want and like really give it to people not to try to make money, but because I think it's really something that they need and they're asking for. And it's easy for me to create and I can do, I did it in one night and I woke up to like hundreds of sales and $2,000. Wow. But that would never, and that's not much for, for a launch, um, you know, but I didn't really launch it. So I think that the lesson for me there was that like building the community first and really, really getting clear on what people want and then giving them exactly what they're asking for, instead of trying to come up with this brilliant idea that I think they're going to want, but then no one's actually going to want is the only way to do it. You can't come up with the idea and then think it's going to sell. You have to you have to create what people are asking you for and really test the market and find out the need. And that took me two years to do to actually create something that people wanted to buy. And even then it's still an itty bitty product. And I I still haven't created anything else because I still don't think I'm at the point where that makes the most sense in my business. And I started like you, Andrea, where I was like, I'm just going to create products and I'm going to make all this money from them online and I'm going to not have to ever work. Yeah. And nothing is passive. So even when you create something like that, you get people wanting returns, you get people whose downloads aren't working, you're working your ass off yeah. all the time. Oh nothing's gosh, passive. Yes. 
Yeah. So that was my lesson. (laughs) Yeah. Good. And thank you so much for sharing that. And I, I totally agree. I love what you said about how you said it in like very quickly, but easy steps, create the community first, find out what they need and then create the product. If it, if, if you think that there's a, a good need for it. And I always tell people, survey your clients, ask them, ask them what it exactly it is that they want. Ask them specifically if they would pay X amount of dollars for a product and ask them to be really honest about it. And I really love that the pay, the pay what you can, it just, I think it just makes things so much easier. But you know, one thing I I tell my clients too, what's really easy to turn into products are classes that you conduct live. And, um, that's what I've done. You know, it's like anytime you teach a class and you have to ask permission from your people, if you're, you know, recording them and they're using their names, but it's usually just their first names if they are at all, but you can, you can repackage and repurpose that and turn it into a product. Even if you don't launch it, you know, people call them home study um, products and, um, Amy and, and I did that with self love revolution and you know, it's, it's great and we don't market it and we'll get a sale like maybe once a month, once every other month. And we're just like, yay, you know, <laughs> it's just unexpected income. Are we going on vacation with it? No. And we joke about that, but it's like, <laughs> but it's, it is nice to, to get paid for, you know, this, this passive thing. But I just, again, don't bank on it. And like Becca said, build the community first. And, um, I'm going to post a link um, on the show notes for this, Tara Gentile, who is one of the only marketing people that I follow. I, I is that just, how you say her name? I did not know that. Yes. I, I might be saying it right, but I'm sure it's not Gentile. It's Gentile okay. or Gentile, something. Anyway. Okay. So she, um, she wrote a really great article recently about conversion rates and, and really, you know, she breaks down the, it's a numbers game. All it is, is a numbers game. So you know, and for me, I think at the time when I launched my ebook, I think that my list had just broke the 1000 mark, if I remember correctly. So, um, I had a hundred, so (laughs) (laughs) so basically what she says, I think, and I might be wrong here. I'd have to read the article again, but when she breaks it all down, the bottom line is that it's usually around a two and a half percent conversion rate. So um, your one sale is, was right on with your list of 100. And I know I was right on target. And mine was the same too. Like after I did the math, after the launch, I was like, Oh, so it did end up working out. If you, if you just look at mathematical conversion rates of usually what it looks like, because you, you know how it is. Like when you build your list, you usually only get anywhere between a 20 and 30, 35% open rate. So that means if you have a list of a thousand people, that means only 200 to 350 people are actually opening your email. And then you look at how many people are actually clicking on the link that you have in that email. So um, it's a great article where she breaks all that down. So I'll post that so you guys listening can can read that. And it's just a reality check of, of how it all works because it breaks my heart when, you know, I'm working with somebody and they launch a class and they're like, but I only got two signups. And like, but look at your list size. It's it's really how it works. And just, just you know, it's those two people, lucky day. They get to... <laughs> And like deliver the task as you would and give them the best service possible. And then, you know, try again next time. And I think that there's this obsession also over list size. So I kind of want to touch on that because I think that, you know, build your list, build your list. And I have clients coming to me being like, I need to build my list. And my first question is like, well, why, why should people be on your list? And they, they don't know. They're like, well, cause then, cause that's how I can get more clients. I'm like, yeah, but like what is the value to people of being on your list? And if you don't know that, then you shouldn't be creating a list. Like list size is one of those things that like you can create a lot of really great stuff with a small list. If you're super in touch with 
who your clients are and what they need and you're on the phone with them all the time and you're interviewing them, you know, list size doesn't matter. But if you're not doing any of that stuff and you're just basing it on the numbers, you're going to be sorely disappointed when you grow your list and nobody buys things. And, you know, I've stopped focusing on growing my list because it, you know, people sign up for my list when they want to sign up for my list. And I'm super engaged with my private Facebook group because those are the people who are like begging for what I'm offering. And so I'm like, great, I'm going to really cater to you guys and more people are going to join this group slowly. Mm-hmm. And you know, my list will sit where it is and it doesn't really matter that it's not that big because that's, it's not dictating my business. And I think right. that there's this obsession with like, I need a bigger list, but people have no idea why. And so it's this like false sense of, you know, well, Oh good. I have a thousand people on my list, but that doesn't really mean that you're going to have the business. There's not necessarily direct correlation and, and it is a numbers game too. So yes, more people give you more people to market to, but if they're not the right people on your list and you know, you've gotten all these signups that aren't your right people, then the numbers are going to be even lower. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. I, I definitely have had that experience of, of kind of like confusion, like, okay, well, what, what are they getting? And it, those are such great questions to ask yourself. Like what, what are they going to get when they, when they sign up? And, and I always tell people too, be really clear in your, like in your opt-in box and in your autoresponders that go out to those people. There's nothing worse than, than getting, um, an, like a response that they're like, okay, so thanks for signing up. And then you hear from them like seven times a week, I unsubscribe or like you don't hear, you know, it's like, just be really clear about your communication and what they're going to get. Because, and I have found that too, as, as far as just basic list building is, is, um, you know, I'll get a new client that's working with me in their opt-in box. Like, we'll just be like, sign up for my newsletter. Well, what the fuck? Why? Like, I know. <laughs> Are you going to give me recipes? Are you going to give me like, what, why, why would I, people just don't give out their email address as much as they used to, even like five, six years ago, it's gotten harder. There's so much free stuff out there on the internet. Now that's another thing, you know, going kind of going back to when we were talking about products is that you can just Google a, a, a solution to your problem and find an answer. So I think that that might be another reason that, that products like just eBooks aren't really selling, you know, that has to be a ton of value for that person. So, um, yeah. And that goes for your opt-in box too. Like exactly what are these people going to get? Not only just by signing up, but, um, over time, like what is your communication going to look like with them? Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny cause I'm actually getting rid of an opt-in on my site and I've decided that, you know, I, I have a really great opt-in now, I think, which is like an hour long free audio class and it's, it's worked well, but I'm so well that I'm actually repurposing it for another program that I'm putting together. And I'm kind of at the point where I'm like, you know what, my people, because I know my audience really well, and this is why you have to do everything your way. I know that my, the people that follow me are sick of signing up for sites and getting like downloadable eBooks that they never look at. Mm-hmm. And so my new opt-in, my new opt-in copy literally says that I'm not going to bribe you with some bullshit ebook that you're never going to look at. So how about you just sign up because you like me yeah. and like the people that sign up are going to love that. And I know that because I've engaged with the people in my group and asked them, you know, have had hundreds of responses from them of like what they love about opt-ins and what they hate. And so now I've got some really great stuff to work with instead of going, I know I'll create them an ebook when they're all like, I'm never going to look at it. Right. So, but that works for my business and that's not going to work for your business, Andrea. And that's not going to work for somebody else's business who's listening. So you really have to know 
what works for you and what works for your clients and not just do what everybody else is doing. Mm-hmm. I always tell people too, like, cause I get my clients, like they'll agonize over it and I'm like, okay, stop that and just put something out there. Like you don't have to marry it. I swear they get like so committed to it. And I'm like, just put something up there. And then over time you'll see what your what people like and and ask people too like yeah. in your autoresponder ask them to respond and say hey what did you think of this ebook i would love your total honesty did you like it yes or no check the box or something like that so where they yes. engage with you and Possibly. that's where you'll like, find out what they want yeah get on the phone with people i actually spent last last two weeks ago i think it was i spent um, on my Friday where I usually have the day off and I don't take any clients, I spent eight hours on the phone doing 20 minute interviews with prospective clients. So people in my group, people who were like, yeah, maybe someday I'd like to work with you, but not now asking them questions and really getting into their heads about what was going on for them and what they really think they need, um, versus, you know, what they actually need and getting on the phone with them was so helpful. And I learned so much more and, you know, I didn't have to do that. I could have just guessed at what they wanted and put something together. But by doing that, I know now that the programs I'm putting together are perfect for them. And I know how to market them. Mm-hmm. You know, people would get on the phone and say, like, I just need to know how to grow my list. And by the end of the 20 minutes, they'd be like, I'm shit scared because I'm not actually clear on what I'm doing. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, awesome. So you perfect think you need to, to build your list, but mm-hmm. you actually have this other problem. So now I know that for my marketing. So I can advertise you know, I'll help you build your list and people will sign up and then I'll really give them what they need, which is getting past the fear stuff. So you can't know any of that stuff until you are talking to your people on a regular basis. And if you don't know, like if you're just starting out and you don't know who your people are, find people that feel like a fit. So like maybe it's a friend, maybe it's Mm -hmm. your mom, maybe it's someone in your community, maybe it's another coach. If, if there's someone who you think you would like to coach, like get into their heads and and ask them if you can interview them. No pressure, no needing to sign up for your stuff. Just like, you know, doing some research with them. Market research. Yes. Market research. That I tell people in the very beginning, like they don't know. And I'm like, okay, well it's, it's don't feel bad that you don't know because most of the time we are not our, our, our ideal client. If we were, we're kind of in trouble because we're teaching people (laughs) how to get out of that. So you're not your ideal client. You need to ask them. I just last month sent out an, um, an email to my list it was just in my monthly newsletter and I asked them, please hit reply. And usually my newsletters go back to my VA, but it came directly to me. And I asked them, what is your biggest struggle right now? And if they were a coach, what is your biggest struggle in your business? I got almost a hundred responses. It took me hours to go through them. And I was surprised at some of the answers. I was like, I had no idea you guys struggled with this. Thank you so much. So that's one of the very first exercises is I give my one-on-one clients, my coach mentoring clients is, is create a free survey on SurveyMonkey and, and do that. I had a client recently. This was so amazing. Um, she is just starting her business. She doesn't even have her website up yet, but she knows a lot of people who are, have, you know, who are interested in self-development and all that. So she sent out a SurveyMonkey survey to just her contacts in her regular email list. She got like 80 responses. I was so floored and happy for her. And she got like, 10 practice clients where she's charging like a lowered rate, but they're paying clients. And she texted me or no, she emailed me last week and she was like, Oh my God, I got somebody else who said, are you still accepting clients? And it's like, when, when you put yourself out there and actually show people that you care about what they're struggling with people, because not only do they want to tell you their story, but they want to help you because they know that you're in love with your business and they want to help you succeed. So it's a win-win for everyone. It mm-hmm. really, really is. I love market research. Yeah. And there's, oh my God, giving people stuff for free, like really 
coming from a place of service in your business instead of coming from like, oh my God, I'm desperate. I need to make money has so much value. And Mm -hmm. I've had people email me and go, you know, I don't need to work with you right now, but I would love to just pay you something. Like, could you maybe put like a donate button on your website? Because I get so much from your blog posts and from your Facebook group that, you know, I just want to be able to pay you something. And I'm like, what? Whoa, like that stuff's free. And they're like, please, like, what can I do? I'm like, well, I have fishes, pay what you want. And people buy it for like 50 bucks just because they want to give me something. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I create all of that not to make money, but because I really know that I have a lot to share and I want to help people. And I know that through doing that, the clients are going to come and I'm going to make more money than if I'm in panic mode, just trying to create something like an ebook to make an extra, exactly. you know, 20 yeah. bucks a month here or there. It's yeah. not worth it. I want to, I want to say just, I want to point out one more thing and then we should wrap it up. Cause I know you and I could go on for like six hours. About this. <laughs> I know you have a guest at your house. So it, what you just said was so important about giving stuff away for free. And I myself experienced this and a lot of my clients, they're afraid in the beginning. They're like, but this is my process that I take people through. This is like my best mm-hmm. stuff. I don't want to give, give it away. And I always tell people give away the farm in the long run. It will help you so much. And like, I'll give you a quick example. So, you know, I have all these products on my site, what we just talked about. And, um, one of my favorite products is my third, I have a 30 day gremlin slash inner critic e-course that I have put my heart and fucking soul into that thing. And I am so proud of it. It's such a great product. It has so much content and it sells for $197 on my site. And it, I, I never sold a copy until I put it like half off, like Black Friday, something like that. So when I did my, um, I did, I just launched a membership program and I, that was part of the bonuses. I gave away all of my products for free and I just, it was really no sweat off my back. I'm like, they're really not selling anyway. The, the one that I do sell often is a $17 ebook. That's actually probably going to turn into a regular book someday, but anyway, I have got so many people that are in my membership program and I keep encouraging them. I'm like, you guys, you got this for free, go sign up and start doing it. People are like, Oh my God, thank you so much. This is so amazing. It's opening my eyes. I have so many aha moments. I can't wait for the next day where I get to open up a new lesson. And I'm like, like the heavens open up, you know, it's like, that is the, so, so that person may not, like you were just saying, Becca, they may not be someone that's going to hire you one-on-one, but you know what? They're going to tell all their friends about you and they're going to share your stuff on social media. They're going to sing your praises. That is the best social proof ever. Yeah. And there's, I mean, I've had people where I have followed them online for well over a year before I actually hired them just because it wasn't the right time. I love their stuff. I love their free stuff. I love their blog posts, but I never, it didn't, it just wasn't the right time. And then when that moment hit where I was like, Oh my God, I know who would be the perfect coach over this. I went out and immediately hired them. And so don't discount the fact that just because, you know, you put out a blog post and you hear crickets or you post something on your Facebook page and nobody comments, people are still reading and paying attention. And just because no one's responding, isn't a reason to stop doing that stuff. There's so many people behind the scenes paying attention that you don't think are. And the more that you just like stay confident and keep doing your thing, that is going to spread and you're going to have all these followers that you didn't even know about come out of the woodworks when it's the right time for them. Yeah, I agree. And I think that it, I, I totally agree that it just, it's planting seeds. It's about building relationships. And I always, I, I like the, the analogy of, okay, so that's like, if you go out on a first date, you just met this person, like you haven't even communicated via email or phone call, you meet this person and then you have sex and 
get married and have babies like on the first date? Like, does that really ever happen? No. So why should it be any different in your business? Like it takes time to build relationships with your audience. So you start wooing them and they start to, it's that whole no like, and trust factor. I mean, that's marketing 101 and it takes time. It really does. So don't be in a hurry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to wrap it up and I thank you so much. This has been like the best conversation ever. And I know that the coaches listening got so much value out of it. And, um, is there anything, uh, you know, in good CTI language, is there anything you would like to say to be complete? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I just hope that new coaches realize that it does take time and, and that it's possible. So don't listen to the bullshit when people say like, you can't make a business out of coaching but also know that you have to, you have to work at it. It's not just going to happen when you put your website up. So yes, you can do it. And yes, it's going to take a lot of work. Yes. And I will put, I will put your link up on the show notes and you can find Becca at the uncaged And, um, so happy to have you. Thank you so much. And until next time, ask kickers, see you later. Bye-bye.